0: Welcome back. I'm so happy you're here. Today, we're going to be chatting about future-proof career strategies. This is a topic that has come up a lot in my conversations lately, and I think it's going to be a favorite of yours. So future-proof career strategies are a hot topic because we've all gone through a lot of shifts recently. The world has kind of turned upside down and we're having a great opportunity to really question ourselves and set some best practices and really center ourselves around things that can bring us joy and fulfillment in what we're trying to do. Now, I want to clarify that this talk is not going to be about focusing your career around STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, or about how you're going to compete with robots in the future, okay? (laughs) And also, it's not about how to get the highest paid jobs or attack the highest growth industries. Because in my experience, those things do not equal happiness. And if you're not happy in your work, you are definitely not future-proof. Being miserable leads to burnout, and burnout leads to midlife crises and quitting and um, not enjoying your challenges. So what I really want to focus our conversation about today is about being future-proof, which means consistently doing things you haven't done before, but bring you enormous joy and satisfaction. I think a good illustration to start this conversation is to chat about the story of the four minute mile. So since the beginning of foot races have been measured, we assumed that running one mile faster than four minutes was physically impossible. It was just standard answer that that was in an unreachable goal. However, in 1954, Roger, Roger Bannister became the very first person to run what was then called the Miracle Mile. He ran a full mile in less than four minutes. And then something amazing happened. Only two months later, Bannister himself and John Landy broke the record again. Since that time, this four-minute barrier, as it was called, has been broken by more than 1,400 male athletes And what was now considered impossible is the standard pace for all male professional middle distance runners. What used to be considered impossible is now standard. I think this is also true in our careers and industries as well. It's really about a mindset shift about what our possibilities are and making sure that we're not having self-limiting beliefs i've seen some enormous challenges across my career i started my first real job in 2002 working directly for jeff bezos at amazon just after the dot-com bust i saw how he used these principles of um, a growth mindset and you might call it a moonshot mindset to really pivot and make the company into what it is today he not only was inventing his company from scratch, founding it in the garage of his rental home in Bellevue, Washington, but he also was inventing the gold standard of e-commerce. I saw this again in the economic crisis of 2008 while I was working for Eric Schmidt, while he was the CEO of Google and then going on to be an executive chairman. He used these challenges to pivot himself into even greater success and to bring the entire company along with him. And then I channeled that into my own work after I left Google after 12 years at the company and I was started my own consulting firm in, when the um, pandemic of 2020 hit. And I found myself having to consult my clients who were all in crisis mode simultaneously while in lockdown in the bedroom that I had in high school because I found myself in the States locked away when Spain had closed its borders. So I've been through... Th- three major pivot points. And I can say that there are a few key best practices that have got me through each of these different stages of career challenges. And I have learned them from the best from my CEO or mentors. So I want to introduce to you a concept that I call personal ROI. Now, the definition here isn't the traditional one of ROI, which is return on investment. But instead, I'm going to challenge you to think of it as three things, R for recognize, O for own, and the I for implement. So recognizing is about really thinking about where you want to go and who you want to go there with. The own is for reinvesting in your skills and knowledge in your network and really doubling down in those pivot moments. And the third is I for implement, which means regularly creating an action plan and being purposeful in your work. Okay, so let's walk through some exercises of how we might use this ROI methodology to future-proof our careers. So the first step, again, is to recognize, which is to define success for yourself. The first step here is to have a personal vision and mission plan. You want to answer the questions for yourself of who, what, and why guide your decisions that are going to lead to what we might call your North Star. And a lot of people don't do this for themselves individually. Sometimes early stage startups do it or corporations have some, you know, vision or mission statement up on the wall. But I think it's equally important, if not more important, that you ask yourself this question, who do you want to be? What do you want to put into the world? And why is that important for your legacy that you're trying to create? And that's a really important step that you can't miss. In fact, I find with some of my CEO clients, when they get into a moment of confusion as they're trying to scale our conversations consistently come back to this. So having a really clear vision and mission plan and your values uh, illustrated helps you in those important key decision points, especially when you're facing some pivots. So who do you want to serve? What do you wanna put into the world? And why is that important to you and to those who will receive it? Make sure you've got that really clear. The second key here is to bet on yourself. And Jeff Bezos was a, my great teacher on this when he was at the very foundational stages of the internet, considering building his um, bookstore, of, which became the store for everything, which became Amazon. He had this idea while he was at D.E. Shaw, and he was very successful there. He had been the youngest VP ever promoted in the company. it's very lucrative, very comfortable. There was no reason for him to disrupt his status quo, but he decided to take a risk on something that had never been done before. And that was the idea of creating Amazon. He he calls this his regret minimization principle. He imagined himself having a conversation with himself when he was at the end of his life. And he imagined that he would regret more not having tried and taken a chance on this thing called the internet more than if he had tried and he failed. And so that lesson of making a big bet on yourself when something is so passion aligned with your mission and vision statement gives you the courage to take a big risk and to know it's worthwhile. Now, a key that I would love to introduce you to um, is my concept of what I call a dream resume. So I did this very early in my career, just when I was graduating university. And my dream resume that I wrote for myself actually has nothing to do with titles or corporations or anything like that. It was just a list of the accomplishments I wanted to have the experiences I wanted, and the people that I wanted to take this journey with, not the titles. If I had based my career decisions around titles or maybe the cool company to work for, well, actually, all my companies have been pretty cool. I lucked out there. But that wasn't what drove me there. What drove me there was I knew I would be really challenged. I would be forced to be outside of my comfort zone. And that if I was in the right mindset, I would be able to have some big accomplishments and experiences not open to me otherwise. And in order to do that, I created from that dream resume, a list of avatar mentors. So people ask me all the time how to get a mentor. And I actually jokingly, but literally (laughs) tell them that most of my mentors don't even know I exist. They're my avatar mentors that I've used. I kind of reversed engineered this dream resume of mine. I looked for people in the field who are doing those things that I wanted to do, having the experiences I wanted and working alongside the type of people I wanted. And I kind of just thank goodness for the internet. We can cyber stalk them and look at where did they begin speaking? How did they get onto that stage that I want to be on one day? Where did they begin writing? How did they get a book contract? How did they become a published author? Whatever the goal might be, look for the little steps that led your avatar mentors there and reverse engineer it. And then supplement that with people around you who are maybe just one or two steps ahead of you on that mapped out journey that you want to take for some actionable advice for people who really know what it feels like to be in your shoes because they were just there. And from there, that's how you create the right network of people who are gonna challenge and inspire you on the journey. I watched Eric Schmidt do this time and time again during the decade that I worked directly for him as his chief of staff. He was really good about cultivating not only his strong ties, but his weak ties. As social scientists define strong ties, as people have a lot in common with us. Similar universities, similar mother language, background values, things like that. But the weak ties are where you get some really interesting inspirations of thought because your weak tie relationships are people who have less in common with you, maybe a different cultural background or mother language, perhaps a different set of core values or beliefs. And they're going to come at problems and challenges from a very different perspective, it might inspire a, a new path that you want to chart that you might not have thought of otherwise. Uh, that has really, really enriched my professional experience. And I'm so glad to have worked in companies that were so global that I had a lot of exposure to some weak tie strengths who became my mentors. And the last step here is to seek out some common traits. Look When you're considering roles or opportunities as you are up-leveling in your career, I would look for three specific things to know that that is a future-proof move for you. The first is look for patterns of reinvestment. Is it an industry or a company that has continued education for their employees, who doubles down on training or consistently up-leveling them, and have incentive structures in place to make sure that everyone consistently does that? Second, is it a company or industry with demonstrated innovation. Do you see grit, risk-taking, and engaged, hardworking people there? Are they the type of people you want to become like or who would influence you to become your best self? And third, I look for lack of complacency. This is particularly important in considering your industry because you want to surround yourself with what Satya Nadella describes as learn-it-alls instead of know-it-alls. He he. Um, In his turnaround of Microsoft's culture, he really credited all of their success in in focusing on becoming learn-it-alls and not know-it-alls. That means you're humble and you're curious, you're asking questions, you don't get complacent, and you also don't stay too long. That also is not future-proof. If you stay in a role or an industry without leveling up, that's not future-proof because you're either going to get bored or undervalued by the people around you. So this moves us on to step number two, which is the in our ROI, which is own it. This is where we're really looking to reinvest in and reinvent ourselves. So the first step here is knowing when to take risks. So I watched Eric Schmidt do this um, while I was working for him when he transitioned from becoming Google's CEO to executive chairman. Now, this was a risk because Google had never had a CEO before, and Eric had never been one before. So not only did we have to figure out how to be successful, we had to define what that meant. What did the company need from him? What did the technology community generally need? What were our users uh, needing to know to be able to adapt themselves to emerging technologies? And what did lawmakers or policymakers need to understand so that they could legislate best reflecting the values of their constituents? So that was a really big risk because he had been a phenomenal CEO at three different companies and now he was taking on something he didn't know how to do and tackling it head on. And honestly, that was the most fun part of definitely of my career. And I think of his as well. And I looked at that pattern when I was considering how to up level myself in a similar way. I made the very hard decision to leave Google after 12 years to become a founder of my own company. And that was terrifying for many reasons. Um, one, Google is my home. I loved it. It was literally rated the number one place in America to work. I had my dream job. Where do you level up when you have your dream job, when you're surrounded by people that you value, who value you, who challenge you, and having incredible once-in-a-lifetime experiences consistently? But well, what I realized was, is I was consistently in my comfort zone. I needed to step outside of that safety net, or maybe I want to call it a safety nest. <laughs> That's how I felt. And um, become a founder of my own company where I could take the lessons I've learned from my CEO, CEO mentors and really apply that to entrepreneurs all around the world. That gave me a challenge to interpret the lessons I'd learned, imagine how it might um, fit or not fit into the scenarios of CEOs all over the globe of different scales and industries, different risk tolerances, cultural backgrounds. And as an added twist of challenge, I decided to do it from Spain, where Spanish is not my mother language. So not only was that a barrier, but also all of the paperwork and bureaucracy that comes with living in a foreign country. I'm so glad I did it. Like, yeah, I definitely have days of overwhelm or questioning my sanity, but it all is worth it because I'm very clear on the ROI that I'm trying to deliver. And that takes us to the next step, which is really important. And this is about setting expectations. When we've given ourselves a new challenge or we're coming into a new industry or role, we need to be very purposeful on teaching people how to treat and think about us. So first, that can be about acknowledging that you're disrupting your status quo. Maybe people have thought of you within a certain box and you're stepping outside of that. Maybe you're used to performing perfectly. Perhaps you're the 4.0 student who always gets a 10 out of 10. And now you have to help people understand that you are learning and challenging. So there's going to be some struggles. (laughs) There's going to be some challenges and things that don't look perfect the first time you try it and that that's a sign of success because that's how you're going to uplevel your skills. And the third part about setting expectations is having what I call a promotion plan conversation right away. So whenever I leveled up and took on a new job, one of my best practices was to have my first conversation with my new manager centered around my promotion plan. Yes, I had just received one. And yes, I was the new kid on the team. But I really wanted to set some expectations that I was there to grow and to be challenged so that my manager would give me some big projects that would stretch me. I also wanted to have a clear understanding of the delta between my current skills and the ones that I wanted to have to qualify me to move on to the next step. And really, this is where we need to get really specific because I find it's difficult to get actionable, specific feedback. So really push your manager to give you exact details, um, to think of you for projects, or plans, or education, or trainings that would really fill that gap. And the third step here is getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Now that you've set yourself up for all these big challenges and you've told everyone that this is what they can expect from you, you have to be ready to shatter your personal four-minute barrier mile mindset limitations. You need to change the status quo of how you even think about yourself. Now, a funny example of this, which my American listeners will appreciate, is um, thinking about that scene in Princess Bride. Remember when Princess Buttercup and Wesley are escaping the evil prince? And they're being pursued to the edge of the fire swamp. And Buttercup pauses in terror. And she says to Wesley, we'll never survive. And Wesley responds very calmly, nonsense. You're only saying that because no one ever has. (laughs) That line always makes me laugh. But I think it's a good illustration that we do need to acknowledge that sometimes we're going to have to believe that we can be successful, even if it's something that we or no one around us has ever actually done before. I saw my dad do this when I was really, really young because he and my mom had both grown up on potato farms in Idaho. And my dad saw that life and the physical toll it took on his father with three heart attacks and decided that was not the future he wanted for himself. So he set a goal to become not only a pilot, but a fighter pilot. He had never seen a fighter jet. He didn't know any fighter pilots, but it was a goal that he was sure if he worked really hard, he could accomplish. And he did. I was born on an Air Force base in Tampa, Florida, when he was given his first assignment and flying an F-4 Phantom jet. So it's in my blood. (laughs) I think I've got this like grit and pace and um, insatiable curiosity because I've got jet fuel in my blood. And this is something that leads to a best practice of mine that I really love to challenge you to consider. I want you to spend no more than 80% of your time in your comfort zone. Now really think about that. Look at your calendar. Look at your time, look at your resources, where you're spending your time and your money, and how much of that is in your comfort zone? How much of your day is trying out something brand new, a new hobby, a new book, a new podcast, um, going to an event when we can return to events and the world is healthy again, where you don't know anybody, where you are outside of your comfort zone or your area of expertise? How often are you challenging yourself, taking on a project at work that demands a skill set that you haven't quite perfected? Really don't spend any more of your time, more than 80% of your time in that comfort zone. I found that to be the right balance. And the last part here, and this is my favorite question, when I was interviewing at Google, I think I interviewed literally thousands of candidates. Towards the end of my interviewing career at Google, this became my favorite interview question. And it's a challenge I want to issue to each of you now. I love to ask candidates to please describe for me a goal they set for themselves that took more than one year to achieve. That's a big one. (laughs) So I asked this for a few reasons. First was because it helped me measure their grit. It also helped me see were they resourceful when they hit roadblocks. Did they seek out mentors or best practices? Did they lean in and research it rather than recoil in, in exhaustion or terror? Were they relentless in their pursuit of that goal? You really, if, If you are doing something that takes more than a year to do, you have to be so determined. And also that tells me that they know where their passion aligned. You really got to be passionate about something to overcome all of those inevitable setbacks that come with a, a lofty goal like that. But I like to remind myself that, look, that year is going to pass anyway. I would rather come out the other side having accomplished that goal. And that helps me double down in those hard moments. So think about that. Is there a goal that would take you more than a year to achieve that you would find really valuable for me right now that is learning spanish (laughs) this is like a not a one-year goal i'm on year three now and i make a lot of embarrassing mistakes in pretty much every sentence but it's worth it to me because it's really important for the life i'm setting up for myself here i did that when i was training for marathons or triathlon or you know there's all kinds of things that bring you enormous joy that really come on the other side of those big challenges and I'd just like to remind you that being ready for a challenge does not mean being ready to be perfect. It just means ready to try. Okay, so that brings us to the last part of our ROI, which is implement. And I have to admit, yes, this is an endless cycle of putting in the work and pivoting. This one kind of never stops. So I like to summarize this as my secret formula for how do you engineer serendipity? Now, that maybe seems like an oxymoron, but really, I have found this to be true. First is you need to know, once you've got your dream resume and your uh, avatar mentors, you've got this roadmap ahead of you, your North Star that's guiding you despite the many pivots and challenges of life, the first step here in engineering serendipity is knowing what you want so that you can spot it and opportunities to step towards it in their infancy. These are going to be moments that would have passed you by were you not looking for them, that other people around you dismiss and don't recognize the value of because they are not honed in on on where you're going. You're going to see these opportunities earlier than anyone else and be able to seize that. Maybe it's a peer of yours who's very, very talented and who you anticipate is going to become very important and be a, a big part of your network. Maybe it's a skill set that you know you need to have for three levels from now in your promotion conversations. Whatever it might be, you want to be able to spot that early. This is how we get ourselves into the right room, which leads us into the right network and leads us to being ready to take a seat at the table that we want to be at. So this is about recognizing irreplicable opportunities. This has been the key to engineering my career up to this point. I did that first by recognizing an irreplicable opportunity. It's hard to say. (laughs) Irreplicable opportunity of being an early employee at a fast-growing company. For me, that was Amazon back in 2002. That moment will never come around again. They won't invent the internet again or invent e-commerce again, but there will be other disruptions. So spotting these um, fast-growing disruptive opportunities is key if you want to accelerate your career. Second key for me has been working for leaders that I wanted to become like. And that absolutely was true across all of my executive managers. Jeff Bezos, Marissa Meyer, Eric Schmidt, they were leaders I wanted to become like. And so I didn't care what the job title was. If I got to be in a room with them and learn their best practices, I knew that was going to move me towards my dream resume career. And last, I always looked for where can I build my skill set? Where are the lessons I want to master residing and how can I invite more of that into my day? And that's really why I took the big step of leaving Google and founding my own company because I needed to expand a skill set that I could only do if I left my comfort zone and took the plunge and became a founder myself. The second step of really implementing this plan is making sure we're not complacent. This, again, is about getting out of our comfort zone. We're going to set a reputation for being the one who gets the right things done, who is challenging the status quo, and who is very memorable. Memorable is really important because you never know the people who you worked with in your first job might come back like years later and recruit you for an opportunity you didn't even know existed that is actually how I've got every single one of my jobs since 2002. I haven't interviewed for anything since applying at Amazon because all of my advancements and opportunities have come through that network that I carefully cultivated and people who really remembered me and thought of me as somebody who got the right things done. And lastly, this the biggest point about implementing is realizing that we can't do it alone. Each and every one of us really needs a mentor or a coach. There's a reason why Bill Campbell was the mentor to the CEOs of Apple, Google, Yahoo, and more all across all of Silicon Valley. And if you want to hear more about his methodology, please read Eric Schmidt's book called Trillion Dollar Coach, where it goes through a lot of his best practices and will convince you that everyone needs one. Look, One of my favorite obsessions is the Olympics. I am in, I can't get enough of hearing the stories about how these Seemingly regular humans are doing superhuman feats. And what is consistent across them is every single one of these athletes who are literally the best in the world at what they do have coaches. They have people who push them beyond their comfort zones, who challenge them, not only physically, but about their thinking, their mentality, their mindsets, challenge their assumptions about what's capable, and don't let them be limited by these four-minute mile mental barriers, So as a last note, I want to remind you that, look, there's more than 7 billion people on this planet. So if you even set a goal for yourself that has a one in a million chance of success, that means 7,000 people on this planet are going to get it. So why not you? Okay. (laughs) Let's double down on that and make a really big bet on yourself. Okay. So this was a lot of information covered. I've given you a lot of challenges. You may not have had hands free to, um, Write down some some of these things for yourself, but don't worry, I've done the hard work for you. We've got a specific worksheet on my website that will walk you through implementing all of these strategies we've discussed today. So please head on over to annhyatt.co, that's A N N H I A T T.co, and look for the worksheet under free resources titled Future Proof Career Strategies. And please, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear how you've implemented this, your challenges, your successes. So tag me on social media, ask me some questions, share your best practices or share your success stories and let us all be part of your journey. Thanks for joining me today. And I'm really thrilled to hear what comes next. Please go make a big bet on yourself.